Welcome to Keystone Education Radio, the podcast for all things focused on education in Pennsylvania. Now here's your host, Nathan Maines. Welcome to Keystone Education Radio podcast episode three. On this episode, we're going to talk about the state of public pensions with experts from the Pew Charitable Trust. But first, we're going to discuss the Every Student Succeeds Act, or ESSA. We're just coming off a two-day event where education leaders from across Pennsylvania have discussed ESSA and how it might be implemented in the state. More on that in a moment. First, I wanted to give our listeners a little background on ESSA. On December 10, 2015, President Obama signed into law ESSA. ESSA's four-year reauthorization of the Elementary and Secondary Education Act, ESEA, and it replaces the previous version of the law enacted in 2002, known as No Child Left Behind. The ESEA was originally signed into law by President Johnson in 1965 to establish federal education policy and authorize federal funding for states and school districts. The goal was to improve the academic performance of all public school students by offering grants to districts serving low-income students, grants for textbooks and library books, funding for special education centers, and funding for state educational agencies to improve the quality of elementary and secondary education. The NCLB provisions signed into law more than a decade ago created the most significant change in the federal regulation of public education. It required more testing and greater academic accountability, rigorous educator qualifications, parent involvement in policy and programs, and school choice for, quote, failing or unsafe schools. It also included numerous miscellaneous provisions on topics including protections for homeless students, constitutionally protected school prayer, a ban on federal funds for sex education, requirements for schools to give military recruiters access to student contact information, and a ban on indoor smoking in school facilities. Fast forward to the end of 2015 and the passage of ESSA, which replaces NCLB. ESSA has been widely praised by education advocates as an improvement over NCLB. Among changes to the education law, uh, they include the less reliance on testing and greater local control. Pennsylvania and other states are now at a crossroad where they need to develop plans due around August to the federal government on how they'll implement ESSA at the state level. PSBA has led the discussion on what ESSA might look like in the Commonwealth by hosting an ESSA study group, which I mentioned earlier. This event brought together more than 80 education leaders to discuss ESSA specifically in the areas of assessments, teacher evaluations, schools in the bottom 5%, and charter schools. The end goal of this group was to develop a formal document that will be presented to the State Department of Education with recommendations on statewide implementation. I'm now joined by our co-facilitators from that event. And I'm going to just kind of toss it to my left here uh, and ask them to each introduce themselves and the role that they play with our ESSA study group project. This is Kathy Swope and I was one of the co-facilitators for the Educator Effectiveness uh, subgroup commonly known as teacher and principal evaluation. I'm Mark Miller. I was one of the co-facilitators on the assessment subgroup. Dave Hutchinson, we looked at charter schools. Larry Feinberg, we looked at interventions for the bottom 5% of achieving schools. And just to give our listeners a a sense, uh, Kathy, Lewisburg Area School District, Mark Centennial School District, Dave, State College, State College Area School District, and the School District of Haverford. So we have a, an eclectic mix. Uh, the group that met 
uh, was comprised not only of school board directors, but of uh, principals and superintendents, curriculum folks. We had some teachers there. Uh, a, a pretty good mix, and, and really what we want to chat about just for a couple of minutes is uh, your impressions, each of you, on the work over the last two days uh, and, and really where we're coming out of this and, and heading next. Uh, Kathy, initial thoughts on that? Oh, I, I was really pleased with the um, entire process. People, uh, all the participants, many of them approached me and expressed um, how impressed they were with the caliber of the participants and the richness of the discussions. I, I felt the same way. It's a very exciting time to be part of something like this. You know, p people recognize that No Child Left Behind wasn't working 20 years ago when PSBA took a leadership role in the entire country in putting something together in 20 days that we were able to take action on. And we, we accomplished something over this, these, the last two days. David, by far probably people thought you had the, the most challenging area with bringing together uh, a conversation around charter schools, and we had some charter school folks in the room. How did that work? We did. We had a, a very diverse group, uh, and so we did not have any kind of but they were very knowledgeable. We were very fortunate to have the people in the room we had. We had school board members, we had administrators, as you say, people from the city, people who were not from the city, uh, and yet we were able to come to real some common ground. That was impressive. Larry, what about your group? I was impressed with the with the the range, uh, the, the both geographically and skill sets and background of, of the group. There was a lot of passion in the room. Um, I think oftentimes uh, people think that uh, poverty, high levels of poverty, is just an issue in large urban centers, and it, it's clearly clearly not. If you look at uh, most of our rural school districts are 50% or more uh, free and reduced lunch, and they're facing the same kinds of issues. Mark, I mean, uh, thoughts in terms of uh, where the group ended up, and, and uh, it must have been tough in two days to try and boil down a, a lot of uh, different views. Well, we're, we're still boiling it down. We're, we have some work we're going to finish uh, over the next 24 hours, but we got a very great uh, amount of contribution from everybody in the room. Uh, I, I think for, for the whole program, we, we had a significant cross-section. I know that there were over 200 people that asked to be part of the program. We had a great cross-section. Everybody from our largest district in the state to the smallest districts in the state had a, 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 something to gain from the discussion and participated. Larry, any surprises coming coming out of it? Anything you didn't expect to see as you prepared to co-facilitate? Not really in, in this group. This, you know, poverty is a, such a, a profound, uh, far-reaching issue that I don't think anybody in the group expected to come out of the room with, uh, here's the recipe. Uh, you know, but uh, one of the things that's significant about ESSA is, as compared with No Child Left Behind, is it's my understanding there's a lot more flexibility built in, right. whereas uh, under No Child Left Behind, if a school was in the bottom f uh, five percent, uh, there were only a handful of uh, acceptable interventions, things like firing staff, closing the school, turning it into a charter. Under the, the new law, um, that is yet to be determined. and. My impression is that there'll be a much broader approach in terms of uh, folks at the local level trying to f to come up with uh, interventions that are appropriate for their particular schools. Okay, David, surprises. Certainly, you had an eclectic mix. We did. Um, I can't say there was a 
perhaps I was most surprised by the amount of progress we were able to make. Uh, we came up with a, a number of, I think, very useful recommendations uh, to the legislature and to the PDE. Uh, but the interesting part to me was we were able to frame it within the context of uh, one tying it to best practices that we're aware of for charter schools and to what extent does Pennsylvania meet those best, best practices and also to the original intent of the legislation. If we remember back when charter school legislation was passed 20 years ago, uh, it was this idea of creating schools of innovation and how much does our current structure of charter schools really allow that to happen or have we created something that does not allow that to happen. Okay. Kathy, thoughts on, uh, on were you surprised by anything? Was it expected? Actually, I, we, I was surprised at how much uh, consensus there was in the room about the things that needed to be changed in the educator effectiveness evaluations. Uh, I, what I found interesting was that the group uh, very quickly came to agreement on the things that needed to be kept, really strong, uh, strong uh confidence in the observation aspect of teacher value and principal evaluation and the things that needed to be changed particularly the right half of the pie chart that involves all of the um, uh, data points and we had some rich discussion about the flaws in the data and using it to uh, as, a, as a separating evaluation from discipline and focusing it more on uh, professional development, which was originally the intent. Larry, uh, we heard from, from a couple of folks from PDE, but Matt Stem was with us just before we came out here to record this, and he cited the fact that PDE is going to be stepping out with some work groups around ESSA as well. Uh, I was pleased that he, that he talked about how this work might fold into what they've done. Uh, do you see that, that connectivity, and, and uh, we, you, know, you feel we took a, a leap forward here in terms of uh, jump-starting the process. Nathan, I think it was great that PSBA was out front on this thing. I, uh, it's uh, our role as a leader in education in Pennsylvania, and uh, I, I kudos. I think it, the, the staff put this thing together in a very short period of time. Uh, we had 250 people apply for these committees, and 80, 80 uh, were present in the room. Um, I think that the collective uh, input and experience from those superintendents, administrators, principals, school board members uh, is, is of enormous value in informing the work that PDE is going to do. David, we, we heard from Matt also about the four areas they're going to focus on, pretty well aligned with what PSBA did today, but charter certainly is a little bit different. Uh, you see opportunities there that we can, we can kind of fold in a lot of the, the heavy lifting that your subgroup did on that? Well, yeah, one of the other key principles was that creating environments that for the benefit of our students. And uh, there was a broad agreement on that. And to what extent does our charter school policy align with that? And that was really uh, something we really focused on. Mark, final thoughts? Well, I, I know we intended to share our results with PDE, and I hope they take a look at it you know it was it was a really interesting dynamic when we started it was kind of like opening the gates to the corral and the horses have been running around the corral for so long they were afraid to come out and it took us about an hour for Lynn Stewart and I to draw them out but once they got outside the corral everybody had something interesting to contribute and PDE be very well to take a look at what we we came up with
Kathy, any thoughts? Yeah, I, I think that it's exciting that ESSA kind of opens the door for change and in so many ways, in so many areas, and that I, I'm excited about the opportunity to take advantage of those changes, that you know, to implement the changes that are possible. The other thing that I, I would say in closing is that it was such a great experience to gather the education leaders from across the state with PSBA taking the lead. And one of the comments I heard most frequently is, this was so great to come together and to study education policy with all these perspectives and to have a purpose in our work. It's not just, oh, let's come together and talk. We had an actual purpose that this will have an outcome that will benefit children all across the state. We're off and running on ESSA. The subgroups have done a great job. Thank you all so much for your leadership on this. And uh, in the coming weeks, we'll have a team of folks working to condense all of the, the multiple hours of discussions that have occurred and really uh, put together a report uh, as we talked about that'll that'll affect uh, I think the work of PDE will certainly be circulating it publicly into the General Assembly and uh, uh, we have some some good work ahead of us so thank you all very much uh, for spending the last couple of days with us next on the podcast is pension reform in Pennsylvania school directors superintendents and business managers know all too well how piecers payments are wreaking havoc on their school budgets Keystone Education radio producer Sean Crampsey is here to discuss the pension crisis with two experts from the Pew Charitable Trust. This is Sean Cramsey with PSBA. Uh, today I'm joined by Katie Selinski and David Drain from the Pew Charitable Trust. Uh, David, Katie, thanks for joining us today. Um, could you please describe what you do at the Pew Charitable Trust? Sure. Uh, this is Katie Selensky. I'm the State Policy Director for Pew's Public Sector Retirement Systems Project, and I'm joined by my colleague David Drain, our senior researcher. Um, our project exists to do 50-state uh, research on uh, everything related to public pension policy. So that's ranging from funding policy to benefits to investments and governance and employee preferences. Uh, and then we apply our 50-state research to provide technical assistance to policymakers in states and cities where they are interested in exploring um, their policy options on pension policy. Great. Um, and as you both know, um, and our school board members know, pensions is a big issue, um, not only in Harrisburg, but across the state uh, for many people. So could you give us some background on how Pennsylvania's pension challenge occurred? Sure. Um, so uh, from 2000 to 2014, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania went from a $20 billion surplus in their pension funds to a $57 billion unfunded liability in the pension funds. And that's for both the teacher system and the non-teacher system, SERS and PSERS. And there were three main drivers of uh, that growth in the unfunded liability. Uh, first, uh, state contribution shortfalls. And what I mean by that is uh, basically the legislature um, putting less than the full actuarially determined uh, contribution amount into the fund each year. So for the 10 years leading up to 2013, uh, state averaged about 39% of the payments into the fund. Uh, so that was the biggest driver of the growth. Um, the second biggest driver was investment uh, losses, essentially. So uh, lower than expected investment performance uh, drove a third of the unfunded liability. Obviously, there were two recessions in there, and we're all familiar with that. 
Um, and then the third driver of the unfunded liability was um, unfunded benefit increases back in, in 2001, where employees were given a uh, retroact- uh, retroactive 25% benefit increase. Those were the three main reasons. Okay. Um, and a- as we know here, uh, and many school directors can attest to uh, pensions, uh, is the highest cost driver right now driving school districts' budgets. Um, that's kind of agreed upon in Harrisburg, too. Um, David, can you point to some solutions that are currently on the table to help address the pension crisis? Well, right now on the table, there's a look at a new plan design that's going to prevent some of the risks that drove up pension costs, both for the state uh, as well as for school districts. And really, it's looking about how do you find a way to manage the investment risk? And the proposal has been a hybrid plan design. So right now you've got a final average salary defined benefit as the way Pennsylvania provides pensions to both teachers and state employees. Uh, That's a guaranteed benefit for the worker, but as an uncertain cost if returns fall short of the 7.5% investment target or any other assumption uh, goes wrong, those costs are going to go up uh, for the employer, which includes school districts. So what's been proposed is a way to reduce that uh, guaranteed but uh, benefit with an uncertain cost and replace that reduction with a uh, defined contribution style plan, which has a fixed cost and a variable benefit. And this is an approach we've seen uh, in states from Tennessee to Virginia to Rhode Island, as well as in the federal government. Great. Um, and I, I think many of us can agree that the pension issue needs to be addressed in the near future. If, if those proposals on the table, um, for whatever reason, do not um, get passed or come to fruition, um, what do you see happening with pensions as we move forward? Well, even if all the assumptions are met and things go exactly as planned, including hitting 7.5% investment returns, the pension debt facing Pennsylvania today is not going to get paid off till uh, 2045. Now, if those investments fall short, as they have in the past, that's going to further ramp up costs, uh, further put stresses on state and local budgets, uh, further crowd out investments and other important public priorities. Okay, thank you for that. Um, For the both of you moving forward, what is Pew um, going to continue to work on with pensions and what can advocates across the state do to get involved uh, with pension reform? Sure. Going forward, I think we'll continue to do public education with stakeholders and policymakers. We will provide technical assistance as it's requested of us um, by anyone who asks for help. And really, you know, we we are very supportive of uh, the proposal that was pushed through the Senate uh, last December, and we will continue to make our support known of that. You know, the bottom line is that um, it would uh, mitigate 60% of risk, and that matters for taxpayers, and that matters for school board members and others who have to solve budgets. And then, you know, in terms of retirement security for workers, it would uh, maintain a 90% take-home pay uh, replacement income level for career workers, and it would actually improve savings for the vast majority of other workers who don't last a whole career. So both from a retirement security perspective and from a sort of fiscal sustainability perspective, we think it's a very strong plan. And so, you know, going forward, Pew will continue to uh, educate folks about that and our analysis and also answer other technical questions as the debates and discussions uh, progress. Great. David, any final thoughts? This is an opportunity for something that's going to be historic reform. Uh, Right now, we've seen Pennsylvania really step up in terms of making uh, actual contributions. I think the hope is by 2018, for both SERS and PSERS, the state and uh, participating employers will be paying the full bill. 
And then it's a way to look at a way to reduce this risk going forward, the risk that's led to uh, the billions of dollars of unfunded liabilities that Pennsylvania is already facing. Great. Well, thank you both for joining us today. We we greatly appreciate it, and uh, good luck moving forward. Thank you. Thank you. The pension issue in Pennsylvania is very complicated, but it's clear that something needs to happen sooner rather than later. I'm sure we'll be talking about pensions in future podcasts. As always, thanks for joining us. Be sure to listen to us next time on Keystone Education Radio. The views and opinions expressed on the Keystone Education Radio podcast are solely the views and opinions of our guests and do not reflect the views and opinions of the Pennsylvania School Boards Association. Thank you.